Hi everyone, my name is Johnny Scott and I'd like to welcome you to Phoenix On Demand, or POD as we like to call it. This is episode 3, series 2 in our schedule of podcasts where we will help educate and hopefully entertain you on all things IT. So the NHS has been under immense pressure for the last 12 months and has worked with technology vendors to provide solutions that enable home working and smooth, effective IT services that reduce the impact on patients and their care. With Forrester Research estimating that 80% of security breaches involve privileged credentials, ensuring that these privileged accounts are protected and secure is more important than ever. I'm delighted to say today that we have a fantastic panel of people responsible for protecting the NHS with cutting edge technology. So joining me today is Ollie Stimson, who's one of the business leads from CyberArk. And we also have Melissa Hardcastle, who's a security solutions specialist here at Phoenix. Hi both. How are you doing? Hey, Johnny. Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the pod today. Maurice, thanks for joining. Mel, you all right? Yeah. Hi, everyone. So can we start by giving our listeners a bit of background on you and your experience within the industry and your current roles within the industry, please? So if we start with you, Melissa. Yeah, so I'm a security solutions specialist here at Phoenix, uh, dealing with all things uh, security, um, managing all the vendors. Um, and I work specifically with um, the sectors such as NHS, um, police, um, local government, central government, and that's the areas that um, I've been working closely with over the past few months. Um, and I have been dealing with privilege access management within NH Trust, uh, NHS Trust sorry, since um, February, January time. Cheers, Mel. Glad to have you with us. And Ollie. Yeah, sure. So hi, everyone. I'm Ollie Stimson. I'm the business lead for our solution, which provides remote privilege access. I've been with CyberArk for around six years now, on and off, a little break in the middle based in London, covering um, quite a wide market across EMEA and APJ as well. And generally, yeah, I focus on providing remote privileged access. It's a hot topic at the moment. I'll not say why. I'm pretty sure we can all work that one out on our own. But yeah, looking forward to speaking with everyone today around the, the challenges we're seeing around PAM in the NHS and across the wider country as well. Great. Thanks for both joining me today. I'm really pleased to have you with us. So. Thank you for the intros. I'll now start by asking some questions to the floor. So feel free to dive in and discuss any of the points raised by me or anyone else. And of course, you know, ask each other questions and let's just keep this flowing and, and capture some good content. So first of all, why do we think healthcare specifically have been targeted so frequently? And why specifically are the bad guys going after these privileged accounts? Yeah, I think that's a, a Great question, Johnny, and it's it's one we we discuss regularly with our healthcare customers. You know, we we come in and we start having these discussions, and we see that healthcare is is not unique in many ways, and that privileged access has been a, a difficult area for them to get control of. You know, when we're speaking privilege, we're we're thinking about these accounts that sit in any environment. They're widely used by attackers, as you mentioned at the start. They are used in well over 80% of cyber attacks and they perform a, a key part of that attack chain. But what we see specifically with, with healthcare, both historically and at the moment, is you know, huge pressure, right? There's huge pressure with the amount of resources available. 
there's huge pressure with the amount of data that needs protecting. And looking specifically at where I work, right, there's huge pressure in providing remote access. There's a, t a challenge in knowing that vendors and users are coming in remotely. And this was true before the pandemic. And to me, these three factors combine and, and make healthcare quite often a, a bit of a soft target for attackers. And you know, we see that time and again. I don't know what you think on this, Mel, but certainly what we're, these are the kind of conversations we've been having recently. Um, yeah, I, from the conversations that I've been having with the NHS, resources are, are quite limited. And I think they struggle to keep on top of um, the privileged users um, and, and the accounts and being able to manage who's leaving and who's not. Um, and it's it's just having that time to be able to do that original kind of cleanup as well, um, AD cleanup to, to work out where their privileged uh, users actually, actually are, um, and you, you know, find out where the privileged accounts actually lie, but also like how compliant the password policies are um, at the minute, and and look at how them passwords have been rotated. So, I think, I think if you know, NHS need to to be able to manage that more effectively. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Melissa. Right, I think uh, we hear this phrase around privilege, referring to these types of accounts as the keys to the kingdom, and I think we see this more and more. We we saw it. We're very strong originally in finance, but as as the PAM market, and I use the word PAM, privilege access management, but as we see growing need to secure and control these privileged credentials, we hear this phrase, the keys to the kingdom. So I think within healthcare, we, we see, of course, healthcare being targeted, but you asked Johnny why they go after these privileged accounts and they're the keys to the kingdom, right? They're the glue that holds the IT and, and wider infrastructure together. And attackers know this, they know that many of the challenges Melissa mentioned around controlling access to these, particularly with a tight budget, make them a pretty tempting target. And that's why we see these types of credentials and identities being brought up again and again when we speak with our customers. Absolutely, I, I would entirely agree. And we mentioned privileged access management there, and you know that is one of the answers to, to, to kind of protecting these privileged accounts and privileged users. So. We we touched on it a little bit there, but can we go into a bit more detail on you know what is privileged access management? Yeah, so privileged access management, Pam, you'll you'll hear them used interchangeably. We're very fond of an acronym in this industry. Um, but privileged access management is is an approach methodology looking specifically at controlling and putting specialized controls around these privileged credentials. And privilege used to have a, a fairly tight definition. You know, we'd be thinking around the, the domain admin accounts, the Unix root accounts, you know, those really high level credentials. We've seen that broaden, right? As our customers transform digitally, as they move into the cloud, as they outsource further, we see that the role and, and nature of privilege has changed, but we're thinking about these high level accounts overall. They could be credentials, they could be identities that give this really broad and powerful access across the environment. With privilege access management, we're looking at specialized controls to try and lock down access to these, put monitoring and auditing around what they're used for, and ultimately make sure people are providing a reason why they'd actually need that level of power inside the environment. Couldn't have said it better myself, Ollie. <laughs> Thank you very I've much. I've been practicing that one. <laughs> um, so, 
okay so if this is one of the answers to to kind of protecting these these users and these accounts where does the trust start you know what's the process that they would go through to um lead to implementing a solution such as this it's a really common question right with these types of accounts and credentials being all over the environment it, it can be difficult to know where to start and, and also what does good look like right so we, we've often had this 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 question we at CyberArt, we've, we've been in this industry for 20 years now, so we've, we've run a few projects from start to finish. And we typically start, and we had a lot of interest in this around a tool we have called Discovery and Audit. Basically, is a free tool we, we offer, and it allows an organization to get a measure of where these accounts sit, you know, what sort of password policy has been applied to them, or, or whether they're ever being used, right? And we definitely find that our customers have some surprises when they start to run this because this is really one of the challenges of PAM. It's knowing what the environment looks like, right? Where are these accounts sitting and how they're being used? And it's essential that regardless of whether you look at CyberArk or someone else, that you get that view to start off with because you really need to know what the landscape looks like, know where the risk originates from and really focus on taking that risk-based approach. So that's where I'd say we start. That's 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 great, and I think if we if we strip that back even more, Mel, where do you think these trusts can start when they're working with partners or resellers? Yeah, well, firstly, they could reach out to us and just have that discovery call with us. Um, you know, tell us what you know what they've seen so far. If they haven't seen anything, um, work with us on on really what those challenges are. Like we know what the challenges of of you know privilege access um, accounts are, right? But actually coming to us and um, just getting more of a vendor agnostic review. Um, and yeah, we, we work with a number of vendors on privilege access management. We've worked with um, NHS Trust over the last few months and really just given them a broad view of, of the solutions out there and, and then the choices is theirs really. Um, but yeah, having those initial conversations with us, reaching out, um, and we'll be able to just provide them um, with, with a full view of what is actually available to them. Um, all these solutions, you know, they, they do pretty much the same thing, but they also vary. So it's it's just down to their personal preference. Personal preference and I guess what's best for their unique situation. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. OK, great. So what benefits does a trust get once they've implemented a solution like this? It sounds great on the face of it, you know, managing and protecting these accounts and credentials, but what does that really mean to a trust? It's a really important question. You know, we know that there's considerable spend and growing each year made in, in cybersecurity. And of, of course, tying that investment back to a benefit is absolutely essential. You're looking at, at the privilege itself. The privilege recommend, represents a significant source of risk in these environments. And this is true of healthcare, but any other sector that we work in as well but we see that privilege with it being the keys to the kingdom with these credentials being widely used in virtually all cyber attacks clearly there's a risk reduction right placing those controls on these type of credentials and identities generates a clear risk reduction but you're looking further right specifically in the area i work in i, I look at how these credentials and this platform can then be used remotely and it doesn't just have to be a, a spend, right? There could be a save element as well. If we can control access and give it in a more efficient way, if we know where these credentials sit, if we know that 
we can consistently give access to the right people very quickly when they need it and then automatically roll that back, then we can start to actually save as well. And I think that's one of the things we've seen change across the cybersecurity industry. You know, it used to be a cost center. And I think that's still important. We still need to focus on the, the risk reduction aspect. But of course, outside of that, we need to show return on investment. And specifically for what I do, I work with our customers to look at how we can start to use these controls to actually save some money as well. Absolutely. I can certainly see why, you know, some of the points you raised there, Ollie, would would save money um, and time back to, back to a trust. But but also it goes back to the, you know, spending money on, on a solution such as this could could very well negate the risk of of a breach and and god forbid you know the 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 costs that we see of some of these trusts that have been breached over the years um you know versus the cost of a, a privileged access management solution i mean it's 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 uh it's a no-brainer on the face of it but completely understand the pressures and challenges that trusts are going through to to enable them to to implement something like this so exactly very yeah, good exactly. point um so what specifically should a trust look for in a in a privileged access management solution? Um, you know, what are the key components that 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 just fundamentally have to be there? Yeah. So, with that one, you know, it's it's an important consideration. You know, this is where we work with partners like yourselves, right? As, as Melissa mentioned, we have our view, but of course, it's important that a, a trust sits back and looks across the wider PAM market and, and wider access market as well. I think a few things that we'd recommend at CyberArk without wishing to sound like we're, we're marking our own homework is we always talk about having an extensible platform. And specifically for that, we mean having a platform that will integrate widely across the environment. As I say, that the role of privilege has changed and what we define and, and see our customers defining as privilege has, has changed over the previous well, five, 10 years even. Before it was that focus on those credentials, sitting internally, giving access to a domain controller or a key critical asset inside the environment. But really that's changed you know, with the shift to the cloud, with the shift to remote working and the shift to digital transformation. There's more and more access that can be defined as privilege. And we, we hear the phrase, ident any identity can be privileged under the right circumstances. So recognizing that your privileges is a program rather than a project and going and saying, well, we may start here. This is where our risk lies now. But as we expand into the cloud, as we may outsource in this direction, there's going to be a need to continuously grow our coverage of this and say, well, actually, we want to be continuously onboarding and continuously reducing risk. So we would recommend having that broad and more extensible platform. Now, as well as that, I'd say one thing that we really focus on with our customers is having a guiding framework to do that. This is a we primarily technology conversation so far, but we know that there's going to be organizational change if you're putting in controls that start locking down access and removing it from people who are perhaps used to having quite high levels of privilege, but possibly are a big source of risk as well. So we work and we have a framework we call a blueprint. Again, other frameworks are available. I'll be careful what I say, but that is more of that process driven framework to say, well, we have our technology, but there's, of course, the people in the process. And that's where I think we focus on. We say, well, this is going to be a broad platform. This is a, a program, not a project. Let's use a guiding framework. And in, in this case, our blueprint to say, well, 
actually this is how we're going to continuously go forward, reduce risk, but also hopefully save some costs as well. So to me, that's the two things that we focus on. I'm, I'm really glad you said that, Ollie, because like all things security and, and to any kind of security manager worth their salt, you know, technology alone isn't the answer, right? It, it's about that people and the process behind it. And if you can get all three of those things working in, in tandem with each other, I think you're in a much better position than just employing a technology on its own and expecting it to, to do the work for you. Um, so, you know, I think that's true and representative of, of any PAM solution out there, you know, not 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 just CyberArt, not just with you guys, but um, I think the people that employ a, a services and a, and a process-led approach um, will get a far better outcome by the end of it. That's just exactly my personal, right. personal view, but yeah, absolutely. I think you, you're exactly right there, Johnny. So, you know, there's no silver bullets and it, it's an often used phrase, but there really isn't. And, and even with the recent SolarWinds attack, which I'm sure the your listeners have heard much about and read much about, there was a strong privilege element in there, but that wasn't the only thing. And you're recognizing that having a technology in place might get us somewhere, but you know, driving that out effectively and integrating it into the wider program is, is absolutely essential to reducing risk, but also getting that return on investment. Absolutely. I think one of the things we've definitely seen an increase in in the, in the last 12 months for sure is is breaches as a result of privileged user, you know, accounts being breached. Um, it, it used to be a case of, oh, you know, some of our users or one of our users has clicked on this dodgy link. Now, you know, these attacks are most certainly getting more sophisticated and the, the people that they're targeting are, are higher up the chain um, so it's becoming increasingly more important and, and and a conversation that you know i'm sure mel you know you're having more frequently w with our clients so you know i think we're, we're coming close to to kind of the the end of the podcast so i'm going to ask you both one last question um, so in one sentence, what would your advice to a trust be with regards to protecting their privileged users? One sentence. Wow, that's a challenge. So um, again, I'll, <laughs> I'll try not to be too biased towards CyberArk, but um, I'd say, you know, take that assessment to start with. You know, this is, is such a key area of risk. You look at, at where that risk sits in the environment and each environment is different. As I say, the, the definition of privilege has expanded hugely over the past few years but look at what's causing the most risk in your environment you know there could be some credentials that haven't been rotated in many years and you know even doing that once could be a great step in quickly reducing risk from my side you know i work specifically on supply chain risk and looking at where privileged access is used in the supply chain and how that represents risk back to our customer so i'd say maybe look at the supply chain don't focus internal only but I think to summarize in one sentence, you know, start by looking at where the risk around these credentials sits. Recognize that there's lots of them out there, but really start slow, right? Have a look at where that risk sits. Recognize that this is a process and take it from there. Fantastic. Very sound advice, Ali. Thank you. Um, and Mel? Um, obviously, I've spoken to quite a number of NHS trusts of late and um, that, you know, they're all very aware of, of privilege accounts and that critical security risk that it poses um, with a potential, you know, breach. So I think 
from my conversation so far, it's so important for NHS trust to, to be compliant. You know, that's a it's a big thing for them. So to be able to be compliant and to be able to have this audit trail, you know, having a, a PAM tool in place to be able to record sessions, to be able to have something to go back and, and audit, um, to see where these privileged users are actually, you know, what they're accessing, where they're going when a session's live, but also more importantly, have the ability to be able to stop that session um, if it looks like it could potentially um, pose a risk. So I think having a PAM tool is just, it's something that I know most NHS trusts are looking into at the moment. Um, and it's just been able to have that ability to stop that, to stop that risk, basically. Again, very sound advice. Thank you, Mel. So guys, I think, you know, that's pretty much it for today. I think we captured some some really good content there. Um, and I'm, you know, really pleased you could both join me to to discuss the challenges and and kind of how these NHS trusts are, are, are trying to tackle that in such an open way. Have you both enjoyed your time on pod with me today? Indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. No worries. I'll be glad to have you back in, in the future, you know, to talk about how things are progressing and, and perhaps some of the other sectors that we operate in as well. So thank you again, guys. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. And we hope you found it of use. Please get in touch if you want to discuss any of the points further. And if you want to support what we do, please share and subscribe. And we'll see you in the next episode of POD. <laughs>